I mean, this past year was one of the toughest years I've had in my life. And I think I learned a lot. Yesterday showed me a lot of kind of how far I've come since even just last May, last April, just with like a lot, like personally, just in terms of kind of mindfulness and taking things as they come and being able to let things go and, and really continuing to move forward and not, you know, perseverate on, on what's happening, you know, what happened five minutes ago or what happened eight hours ago, right? (laughs) And just kind of continuing to move forward in that moment. Once you understand, know what there is that's holding you back or or is a roadblock, then you can begin to work on the steps to to change that, right? Because we can't change something we don't know is broken. It's not necessarily broken, but it's 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 hindering you. It's stopping you from from moving forward. So meditation for me just it, it's a quieting of of the outside noise, yet building the strength and power from inside that's already there. It's just like really like stripping back the layers and and pumping that that fire up inside. Welcome to episode 105. This is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast, and we are BJ and Jess. We are on a mission to create a better world, and how do we do that? Well, we are assisting our incredible team of athletes to bring out their best as only they can do. We teach mindfulness in any moment that we can, and if you know us, then you know that to be true. And we live the example of what is possible on plants. So thank you so much for tuning in, and today we've got a fresh and raw show for you. I am here with head coach Beege, 12-time Ironman, and Dr. Laura, first-time Ironman as of yesterday. We're going to address some listener questions, and we're going to do what we love to do so very much. We're going to smack down their race day experience. So welcome, you guys. Yeah, we're going to smack it down. And actually, we are actually sitting at a round table. So this is going to be our post-Ironman round, round table, table smackdown. Smack down. Yeah, yeah. So um, Laura, congratulations on your Ironman. And also, happy birthday. That's how you chose to celebrate your 30th birthday. <laughs> yeah. And how did, the, how did that go? How did... Did you have any questions out there about the way that you chose to celebrate your 30th birthday? <laughs> um, there were moments when I <laughs> felt like maybe this wasn't the best choice, but I think it was a good one. Because you realize like you're out there alone and only you can do it. It's not like you're sitting there and people are feeding you grapes and... Uh, Certainly not. No, mm-hmm. not at all. They're feeding you Coke and chicken broth and pretzels Chicken broth and was a like good, good add-on. BJ, congratulations. Your race was, it was so, your execution was really impeccable. I mean, you did the, the thing that any coach, any athlete wants to see was that you just kept moving up in your age group from the swim mm-hmm. to the bike to the run, where you ended up finishing 14th in your age group. And what we found out today, we were doing a little data analysis. So if anybody, I know sometimes we get known for the people that are like, you don't need data, but you do need data. And it's really good for moving forward. And we were doing a little data analysis today. And if it had been last year, he would have qualified for Kona. Oh, <laughs> which is, but I love, I think it's the universe. I think, data helps you and hurts you sometimes. Yeah, I know. But I think it, I, I take that as the universe, which has a really good sense of humor saying like, <laughs> Hey, listen, you didn't get it this year, but we just want to let you know that you are Kona material. Oh, yeah. for sure. How did you Absolutely. take it? Yeah. That's what I see it as. I also see it as perspective. Like it was, 
you can look at times and when you when you see you go in past results like it's all perspective on what the situation was then a different mm-hmm. course different caliber of athletes and anybody can show up mm-hmm. or anybody cannot show up so that just that just shows you like you can't you can't spend too much time there you need to just get out and experience a race and not mm-hmm. get too tied up in the data but yeah i i know i, I know i can do this absolutely it's just when my time arrives mm-hmm. it will show itself clearly i just have a feeling like i've never had before it's just it's not of like oh i'm so excited i'm so it's like this just clear this real deep clarity about that it's it's very close mm-hmm. how do you feel yeah it's super close now especially after this race like the like you were talking about the execution and how i felt throughout the whole day no nutritional issues like feeling fitter and fitter as the day went on it's just it all signs are pointing to like yeah you're you're moving in the right direction keep keep going keep fine-tuning mm-hmm. yeah. the workout sessions you're doing and the recovery and the focus and we'll get into this but i think the focus was yeah probably the biggest, yeah we'll dive biggest, in biggest. but you know i get to spectate for you uh now that i've taken a break from iron man and the people that you're out there racing with, number one, the run course is not very crowded when PJ's out there. You know, like transition is not very crowded with bikes when you're transitioning to get out onto the run. And so I'm watching the best of the best, which you're out there with the best of the best. And it's like what I see is, I would say, 80%, right? Because there's going to always be like that attrition. So yeah, there's 20% that are just like, I see them, they're so freaking fit, they're so fast, and then next thing you know, they're like walking and they're not making eye contact. And that just happens, right? Like life happens sometimes, and sometimes you have rough races. Like you had, I think you had a really rough race in Oceanside. But when I see like the guys that are winning, like the guy that won yesterday, I mean, he was just so solid, and their focuses are so dialed in, and that's what I saw about you yesterday. All right, so before we get too far into (laughs) that, Let's talk about, uh, Laura, how did you even, like, what made you sign up for this Ironman? Well, I started doing triathlon just a year ago, exactly in May. So I did my first half Ironman in um, Arizona last fall. Did you do anything before? Any distance before? I did two sprint triathlons. So last May I did the spring sprint in San Diego, and then I did a uh, sprint in Tempe. Um, where the Arizona course would be. So it was a nice kind of warm up to that course in that environment. And so after I did my half, I really felt, I felt the hook of like triathlon is definitely for me. This is something that is challenging for me and something that I really enjoy. So I said, I might as well check off my bucket list and get the Ironman out of the way. (laughs) Um, And the fact that it fell on my birthday was just, and my 30th birthday was, it just all seemed perfect. And just a really good goal for me. Yeah. yeah. And you, I think you have incredible potential in this sport. So hopefully you're going to continue to go because I like to, um, I like to, I like to watch that progression, especially from first Ironman. It's like ignorance is bliss, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so my question to you is like, even today, and I don't know, it might be too raw. It might be too early, <laughs> but are you starting to look and like, I could be faster there. I could oh. be fat. Like, cause I think across the board, your, your times can be so much faster just because I know you as an athlete. Oh yeah. I mean, even as I was getting, going from one leg to another, like on the bike from the swim was thinking about like, okay, these are some, even during the swim was like, okay, next time this will be better. And this is something that, you know, I need to work on or, 
um, on the bike. I mean, this was the hilliest course that I've ever done. Um, even just in my training, all of the races that I did up to this point were kind of dead flat, kind of incorporating more hills and how to kind of keep a steady pace throughout that. I think I had a pretty good pace throughout, but um, just being able to kind of consistently con- conquer those rolling hills w- is something that I want to work on. Um, and then through the run and and knowing, um, I actually remember I read BJ's uh, race report from last year. And I know one thing that you focused on in last year was uh, really pushing yourself through the bike. Um, that's definitely my weakest, you know, of the three. I just in history and kind of what I've done in the past. And I really wanted to push myself on the bike. And I think because I did that, that's where the run and, and we'll kind of talk, get into the run, but that's definitely, I think where there could be improvement as well. So, yeah, well, and I think it's so cool because that's what we're seeing right now with BJ, like his focus coming off of 2017 was I need to get stronger on the bike so I can run to my potential. And I don't think it was just this year because you've had that focus for a couple of years now, getting your bike back. And I think it's now starting to unfold for you. So it's so cool. Like, right. So Ironman and Ironman training and Ironman racing is about patience. It's about patience in your training. It's about patience in your goals. It's about patience on race day. And just and not necessarily building all that strength on the bike so that you can go faster on the bike. It's about building the strength on the bike to maintain a certain effort level and then let it unleash on the run. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think, is where the key is. So my bike time was actually slower than last year, but my run time was dramatically yeah. faster. But not that much. You were four minutes off of last year. Right. On your bike. Yeah. On an easier course. But I felt so much better. I felt so much stronger. So yeah, Yeah. I I think that's getting into that, like experiment. Now, you know, like now, you know, Mm -hmm. you were in, you were in the moment, like you experienced like, okay, push the bike. This is the run that I get from it. Okay. Now let's go back and do our homework. Let's dive into this and see how I can stretch that out a little bit longer. Yeah. Sure. All right, so let's dive into let's dive into race day. Like and and as we go along, we're going to talk about nutrition as well because it, people like to know about and we had some uh, inquiries about people from people about what the nutrition plan was, right? And then <laughs> so let's talk about what it was as we go through the sports, but also what did it end up being, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can have your plan, but Iron Man's going to take you to a place where, and I, last time I saw you on the run course, you kind of gave me this like, whew, and I was like, this is Iron Man, girl. <laughs> like, it's a totally different beast. Like, you can have Iron Man all day long, and Iron Man is just, it's not double. It's quadruple. It's so much more. So let's talk about just your, um, your pre-race. Like, what did you do in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. Yeah. Did you not have much of a plan? <laughs> no, I did. Um, so we got up pretty darn early and I had everything ready to go. And I started my morning off by getting on the bus and looking at someone's ankle and seeing that I did not have my timing chip. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> so that was kind of the first little moment of, okay, how do we manage this? Yeah, wait, um, let's back up a second because that could freak people mm-hmm. out. Like somebody could yeah. really go into a panic about that. So what, cause I felt that same thing and I felt that, oh my God, I'm not going to be, and then you're like, wait a minute. So how did you ma- maneuver that? Yeah. So I, I actually, in that moment was thinking about how maybe even a year ago would have handled that situation and probably would have kind of had a full on meltdown or just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't have this. I'm not going to have it. How can I race? You know, just going through all this stuff. And I think through a lot of practice and a lot of mindful training, essentially it's got to a point I called 
my parents and I said, Hey, I don't have my timing chip. I think it might have been in the hotel um, that we stayed in. Can you call over there or can you ask an official where I can get a new timing chip? Because you had checked out of your hotel Mm -hmm. and moved into this Airbnb where we're sitting right now. Yeah. (laughs) So it wasn't as easy as saying like, (laughs) it's in the drawer next to the bed. Exactly. And just, you know, knowing that I'm on the bus, I'm on my way up to the swim. You it's going to happen. Something's, you know, I'm either going to manage it or I'm not. And when I get there, they're probably going to have one for me. Because you can't be you know? the first person. Right. Exactly. Is, right. Yeah, it's yeah, like right. people must forget it. People must yeah, lose it. Yeah, and you weren't you know? because I did it in 20, <laughs> I did it in 2014. And when I got to the swim and, and I was easily the 10th or 12th person down on the list that they were giving another trip out to. So, yeah. So that's how I started my morning, but um, had a really nice ride sat by myself on the Did you eat bus. before you got on the bus or did you eat on the bus? What did you have for breakfast? Um, I had some toast with peanut butter and banana. Before? Just a little bit here at the okay. house. I don't eat a ton beforehand. I just, I usually like to have a little bit just to get my system going. Um, and then I had a banana once I got up there and a waffle. Um, the Heine Stingers mm-hmm. you, what you use, yeah. Yeah. Everything across the board, I use goose, their gels, their chews, and their waffles. And there's a lot of energy on race morning. And here mm-hmm. you are, first timer. Like it's, it's with, you know, like in life, like with more Ironmans under your belt, you get wisdom, you mm-hmm. get experience, you understand the feel of the morning and all of that, but you're in the complete unknown. Mm-hmm. So, how was your stomach? Were you nervous? Were you excited? You know, I've, I surprisingly felt really calm. I made the choice to go on the athlete shuttle and not go with my parents and drive up. I think it was really helpful because it just allowed me, you know, I, I meditated on the bus and I just kind of sat there and, um, I actually, I did a lot of visualization of how I thought that day was going to go. And, um, as soon as I got up to the swim, I checked in my bike, said hello to a couple friends, and then I headed right down to the boat ramp and just kind of hung out there and waited for my parents to come. And I, it was just nice because there was no one down there. So I kind of just watched the sunrise and just kind of sat inside. How was inside. the bathroom tip that BJ gave you? Amazing. <laughs> Do you want to share that bathroom Yes. Tip? Which now we're letting the cat out of the bag. So <sighs> it's all right. We might be ruining it, but who knows? So in Santa Rosa, the transition area is at the top of the boat ramp in the parking lot. And there are porta potties to use in the transition. However, there are also a whole row of porta potties down on the boat ramp that are not being used. And only some of them are open. Some still have the zip ties on them, but there's nobody down there because everybody's getting their stuff ready. So it's, they're all wide open. Yeah. We discovered that. Yeah, last there's year. plenty of time. You, I, yeah. My first thing is to get off the bus and I walk down the hill mm-hmm. to the bathrooms mm-hmm. and there's nobody down there. Yeah. And then you can go down again. I actually went down again. It was just, there's nobody there. Yeah. Everybody's, just everybody's you and Laura. In, just Laura watching, and I. Watching the sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> just the two of us. All right. So you're feeling, you're feeling pretty calm and you're getting your, getting your stuff, like checking the bike and saying hi and all that stuff. So let's talk about the swim. Let's talk about when you're standing in line, shoulder to shoulder, wetsuit to wetsuit. Like what's that experience like knowing that you're, about to do something that you've never done before and something that a lot of people feel is impossible. And, and where did you seed yourself to? I seed myself between the um, hour and hour and 10 mark. Um, I'd hoped to be under an hour. And so I thought just kind of 
seating myself a little bit further outside that I think was, I think it was a really good choice, but, um, I was next to a couple of our, um, of the endurance house guys when I was, when we were getting ready to go. And I just remember hitting the kind of 25 minutes before we started. And I'm like, I just want to go, I'm ready to go. I would just, I'm ready for this time to be done. I think just having that, it was like a little bit too much time before the race started to get up there. Cause I, I had kind of like mentally prepared and was ready to just start. Patience. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where the patience come in, right? Like the mind yeah. wants to be like, okay, let's just get this started. Yeah. But it's just coming back to that moment that you're in mm-hmm. and all your patience is going to be right there. Yeah. So how it did this good. one go from the start? Like it was good. Did you have um, contact? I think it was, there, there were some definite challenges in some areas that I, I learned for improvement. Like? Uh, sighting is a big one. Um, so going out for the first turn, the sun was right in line with all the buoys. So it was just really challenging to like know. I feel like every Ironman course is like yeah, designed that way. It was way. really at challenging. Point, You're not going to be at, able to see shit. At one point you have to, you have to go into right. this if you're doing a, a bigger course. But luckily it was only that. Yeah. Yeah. That little four buoys. Yeah. Uh, I think because my sighting wasn't great, I ended up having to pop my head up a little bit more than I wanted to. Um, so my swim was a little bit slower than I wanted it to be. Um, did you practice sighting in your training? I did. Um, I wish I had done more open water swims. I think I only did like a handful of them and I didn't practice sighting. I did a lot of open water swimming, but didn't do a whole lot of sighting. I wish that I'd kind of either sit, just set out some buoys and kind of, or picked like specific spots in the open water that I was looking for. Yeah. I think that's really good mm-hmm. information for people. And you can also cite in the pool. BJ does mm-hmm. that all the time. Like we give that to our, you give that to our mm-hmm. athletes sighting in the pool, like every 25 yards, like within a hard set. Like two times every 25 yards. Yeah. Yeah. To really get like that, just that, mm-hmm. the, even the gal- just the, it's called the, like you gallop, you like gallop up yeah. and you're looking. So you're not, you're not breaststroking. Like most people, I'm sure you saw most people just yeah. breaststroking a little bit, looking and then getting back into it. Just keep that momentum going. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What else did you um, learn? This, that, this, I expected the second lap to be better than the first, but it was actually worse. Uh-huh. <laughs> I found that too. Like as far as people, there like, just were so many more people because yeah. everybody that started after you, it's just trying to navigate around that. Right. The there also were a, a ton more swimmer. waves in the second course and I, or second lap. And I think it's because there were, there were some jet skis moving around and there were just probably more people getting support from the volunteers and from the people in the water. Yeah. Cause so. the front end of the pack is going to start to move through the back mm-hmm. end of the pack. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the second loop, you can get a lot of contact on it. I think there's a challenge too. I think the other thing that I'm trying to figure out is where to position myself in terms of where everybody is swimming. So is it beneficial to kind of live in the current, right. Of kind of dra- like drafting behind all this motion that's happening, right? And all these people in the center, or is it easier to be kind of on the inside edge or even further out just to be in your own space, right? Yeah. And where kind of the best spot is. I think on the second loop going after we did the first turn going out under the bridge, I kind of cheated, you know, out a little bit and was just in my own space for a long time. And I think I had a really good stretch there. But you're also so doing all the work. What do you What do you have to say yeah. about that, BJ? I mean, I think it comes down to strategy too. Like, what is it? Yeah. What it, is your goal, right? Yeah. We're, and where where's constantly being 
in the moment of the swim and seeing like where the groups of people are. Because if you're sighting, you'll see like, okay, a lot of the group is hugging the line while I'm going to go out on the outside. And that may change on the inside. Mm -hmm. I noticed a lot of people coming back were on the left side of the buoys. Mm -hmm. When in fact, at the end, you have to come around the left side of that red buoy before you go in. And Mm -hmm. I made that mistake last year of almost skipping it and having to swim like literally back out to that buoy. So yeah, it it all depends on, on what... The, the situation is presenting with you. If you're are not a strong swimmer, yeah, get out, get further out because there's no penalty for being way out um, and avoiding the traffic. But if you're if you're in it, like you want to be, you know, on the side of some swimmers and catch their mm-hmm. catch their draft. I think that there's definitely benefit to being in. So two things. I mean, I think there's definitely benefit to being in that current. But now you're also talking about being in the washing machine, potentially, of people. So I've always hugged the inside for every Ironman I've done. I've always hugged the inside. I like the inside. I don't want to be on the outside. I know a lot of people choose the outside, but to me, I'm like, I'm swimming 2.4 miles. Like, I don't necessarily want to go 3.2 because I'm taking (laughs) the outside route. Like, so I'll hug it on the inside. And even like in the days, the early days when I would still like feel panic and things like that, I always wanted a side where I could look and see open space. Yep. And to me, anytime I would feel panic coming on and let's say everybody was on the left side of me, I would for how many yards to kind of get my breath under control and get my mind back in check, I would just breathe to the right. Mm-hmm. And I think that I guess that kind of leads up to like the importance of being able to breathe to both sides. Do you breathe to both sides mm-hmm. when you swim? Yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's something huge. I worked. I mean, I've grew up as a swimmer, but even just that, as I started this training, I found, I mean, I think we've talked about this in the past of just being so out of alignment. Right. And just kind of getting into the habit of breathing on the right and breathing on the right and breathing on the right. And in the last, I would say probably three months or so, I spent a lot of time focusing on, breathing on both sides because yeah. it is so important particularly i mean we come back the shore is on your left hand side mm-hmm. like that's where you should be breathing because if you can't see the buoy in front of you sighting off of the shore is going to be your next be- next best bet right you learned some stuff it was a little bit slower than you had probably predicted it to be but all in all good swim yeah sweet mm-hmm. all right we'll go back next time do it faster <laughs> ej how was your swim where'd you seed yourself i'd like where you seated yourself this I time s- yeah i seated my it's i don't normally do this but i seated myself the very back of the sub one hour group so they had that gap between that and the 110 one the 110 group which is normally where i go i just wanted to see what this space was like and i was one of the last people to go in what happens when you get in the back is everybody's into the five there's five corrals so you're in your group, but before you get into the water, there's five corrals and you need to just get in a line and then they let everybody, there's people there letting them go every five seconds. I was on the, I was going to go in this one line, but then everybody was jammed into these three of them and then two on the other side where there was nobody in them. So I just moved myself over and then they started to move people over there just to keep getting people in the water because there's, it takes a long time to get, you know, 2000 people or whatever there were athletes into the water. And right away I felt good. Like, Overall, it was the best swim I've ever felt. It's not my fastest swim, but I felt super strong in the way that I executed the swim, sighting the buoys, constantly sighting the buoys. And when I couldn't see the buoys, I was following the people. And then after three or four strokes, I'd sight again, and then I would see the buoy just the top of it, and I would keep going. I hugged the buoys both times on both laps. For me, I found that there was plenty of space in there, 
I'm not sure if it was the fastest route back to your point, Jess, because I think the buoys actually went, did a curve, like they actually like curved in in order to get um, to that final turn buoy. So if you kind of took a direct line, it would have been a little shorter. So I think, I don't think I lost a ton of time, but I definitely hugged the buoys and had clear swimming the whole first lap around. It actually felt really strong, got out of the water, felt good going on the, on the way out again, sided with the buoys, and then felt the chop on that second loop. Mm -hmm. As soon as I took that turn buoy, the first turn buoy, it was chop. And I, I felt like it was kind of the, it might've been the wind too. I was mm -hmm. feeling like the wind was picking it up. It was kind of like that bouncy, yeah. bouncy water. And yeah, I saw jet skis out there. I saw people hanging to the kayaks. So I definitely knew that we were in the group of the backpack swimmers. Yep. Um, but just kept going and actually had this moment where figured out like, why is it, why do you have some concern or stress in the swim and when you're with other swimmers and it, and it made me realize like you need to have faith in the other swimmers too, that they're going to keep moving. Like, I think when you get into the middle of the pack, you're swimming and you're like, I, I like it right here because I can see and it's open over here. But when you're in the middle, if you have faith that all swimmers are continually moving forward, they're not going to stop. And that's mostly the case. Like 90% of swimmers are still moving, even though you may mm -hmm. bump an arm or something, they're still moving forward. So they're still with you versus thinking like, I need to be out here because, you know, I just want to stay away from that. And that was my mentality before. Like I can remember tons of triathlons where I would just remove myself from any, any draft and I'd be way out just because I wanted to be by myself. But I hooked up with this lady, uh, after the second, no, after the, yeah, after the second turn buoy on the uh, short side and then all the way back in and we were swimming stroke to stroke. She was in a Roka wetsuit, pink cap. Thank you, lady. Thank you. I had a couple of those moments too, where for just like a big stretch of time, I was just literally right next to someone. And you're like and looking I, at them like, every, Isn't that, yeah. don't you love that? That is one of my favorite moments of a swim. And we were just at the same pace and it was just, you know, we were yeah. sighting. We were not, cause oftentimes you'll get next to someone and then they kind of veer and they're not sighting well. And right. then you kind of veer off right or left and. Yeah, I that, think that can be I, a challenge, but the importance of, and BJ and I were talking about this this morning, two things, the importance of practicing your sighting and the importance of being able to breathe to both sides, I think are like, trumps everything, trumps everything <laughs> because it, really does. It, it, it brings calm. If you can only breathe to one side, well, that removes an option and you're now limited, you're, right? If you don't know how to sight or you only sight by doing breaststroke, you're limited. So working on those two things alone. Because it literally, it's, it's dead stop in the water. Yes. Right? And let's, Absolutely. You lose all momentum. Yeah. And let's go to the belief system around, because when I talk to people about when I, that's almost always the first question we ask when they say like, oh, my times or my shoulder or whatever. It's always, do you breathe to both sides? And I would say 90% of the time it's no, I don't. And it's like, why? Because I can't. Okay, well, right there, you've got a limiting belief system, right? So it's it's like you've got to be willing. We've got to be willing, you guys, to look at these belief systems that we have. Of course you can breathe to both sides. Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course you can. It's practice mm -hmm. and it's patience with yourself because it's going to feel awkward at first, right? I'm sure that when you first started, when we all first started walking, felt a little awkward. <laughs> you ever seen a baby who's like first starting to walk, right? They look awkward. You are waiting for them to go down, but they just keep going. So you just stick with it. It will happen. It will make you a balanced swimmer. It will help you with getting on top of 
uh, and in the sense of like prevention of imbalances and recruitment in your body that don't need to be happening. Mm-hmm. So I think it's huge. BJ, talk about your, what you did in the morning for nutrition. Yeah. So I woke up, I wake up three hours, at least three hours before the race, uh, sometimes earlier, uh, lately, just because I just want to get my nutrition in. So I had, I woke up at three right away. I got in my applesauce package of protein powder and one banana all swirled together. Mm. And the key is delicious. It's such a good meal. The key is to applesauce first and then the protein powder. So it all mixes in and then you add the banana in so that the banana is not getting all sticky. Because the protein powder in the applesauce. <laughs> We've applesauce, had a lot of it. experience yeah. with perfecting But it, it works so well and it just sets you up. And then what else did I have? I had a gel right before about 20, 25 minutes before the swim. Yeah. Only because they don't, you got to do your morning drop-off bag. And if they just had water there, it would be great. I could do it a little bit quicker. Uh, but that's what I did uh, right up to the swim. That was all I had. I had half a banana. Oh, I had half a banana too, just in transition. I was feeling a little hungry. And I have to say, uh, don't underestimate the willingness of people in the crowd to give you a sip of their water. Like, I can't tell you how many times, because I've always taken a gel with me down to the swim start, because I want to take it 15 minutes before the start. And I'll just look at a spectator and say, can I have a sip of your water? And they're like, absolutely. You know, like whether they dump it out after like, oh my God, no, I don't want Like people will not hesitate to help you out. So if that's your thing, don't freak out because you got to take, you feel like you got to take the gel 45 minutes before and like, just, just trust that you're going to be provided for. That's what I do. I just trust that I'm going to be provided for. And somebody down there is going to have water and I know they're going to give me a sip. And I've never had to ask twice. Uh, let's move right into your transition and into the bike, BJ. So your transition, you know this transition. Uh, it's pr- it's a pretty uh, lofty transition. <laughs> yeah, but you, but if you went and to trek in your bike, you obviously experienced how right. how steep that boat ramp is. Yeah, right. And you and run the whole thing. I run the whole thing. So how do you m- manage that? Because you've got you've got goals here, right? And like the guys that you're competing against are running the whole thing. Right. So you can't be walking the whole thing. No, and it's it's you just I think it's runnable. It's, it's totally yeah, runnable. Your, your heart rate is going to be high. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. But you just. The, key is kick your feet, you know, 100 to 200 yards before you get to the the shore. So you get some blood down in your legs and you start running up and you stop obviously at the strippers, the wetsuit strippers. They're great, by the way. They did quick. Isn't that the best? Yeah. They're like pointing out. I wanted to give them my red bracelet, but I didn't have it on me. (laughs) They did a great job. What was your red? Oh, the red bracelet. For volunteers. I know. For the volunteers. Oh, yeah. You gave it to them symbolically. (laughs) <laughs> so they whipped your suit off yeah grabbed it they were awesome you had a nice quick transition yeah got right up ran the whole way into into the transition zone there was nobody in the tent I shouldn't say nobody in the tent there was like 10 or 15 people there weren't a lot of people in the well, tent well that's a lot I only had like two or three in mine oh really yeah emptied out my gear and loaded my nutrition so this is a new th- I was using a new kit it's brand new kit brand new kit from Ownway Apparel like just got it the day before <laughs> So yeah, we so only had two sometimes boxes. we do brand new things. <laughs> we'll talk day. about how that works out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, you have a slice down the center of oh, BJ's chest. Nice. <laughs> and so my other it kit. was an awesome looking kit though. It's our brand new Yogi Triathlete gear and it, it's own way apparel. It is rocking. I love yeah, it. it is pretty sweet. They did a great design. And so I normally have a little space on the side of my pants uh, to, to stuff gels in. So this time I had to pack it all into my my two pockets behind my jersey, and it was fine. And normally I take a bar, a half of Amrita bar on the way down 
uh, or right out of transition, but I knew because it was a downhill, like I would need it quicker. So right, I had it in my bike transition bag. So I half a bar right down while I was putting on chamois cream, which is key. And then uh, headed out on transition and got right on the bike and felt felt really good right from the start. And it wasn't too cold. I didn't feel like it was cold at all. I felt I was perfectly dressed in my triathlon, you know, kit that it was it was going to be fine. And as, and as soon as you got down the downhill, it was it was warm. So yeah, the bike was. Want me to go into the bike? Yeah, let's yeah. Go bike into the bike. was bike was good. I had a goal of hitting a certain wattage for the first you know, 70 to 80 miles and see how that would pan out. After the first 10 miles, I was feeling good. And my watts were a little bit higher than my anticipated goal. But I knew it was still within realm of what I was capable of. And then my mind started to think like, well, this all makes sense. You've rested, right? You've done bike work. You haven't actually been this in this position after you know putting in all this stuff so of course you're going to feel good and of course your mind's like okay now it's time to go but that's where you find yourself in a lot of trouble patience patience stick to the plan like this is where one one opportunity where or one instance where you got to stick to the plan and stick to those watts and i spun up the hills so i was being passed left and right going up the hills and then bombing down i was passing all these people because they were recovering from pushing the hills so you spin up the hills you push somewhat down the hills and carry your momentum over the hill. And I think that was really key. Plus just my mantra, which was focus and flow. So I think this is really key because going into this race, I wanted a big focus. Just focus on the moment. Normally I like to look around and kind of like give people high fives and like, hey, how are you Cause doing? Because it's yeah. fun. Because it's no. awesome. And I, love I took that job for you this time. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. It's so fun. <laughs> But it's you have awesome. different goals. Like I had different you... goals. And so the focus was super, fo- and I kept coming back to that because my mind would wander off like, okay, now I'm at 30 miles. So I'm doing 10 miles and a uh, half hour. So I should hit the 30 mile sign. But, and it was like, come back, come back to the moment. And then the flow was my other mantra because just the flow of when you're in the moment, you flow with the turns and the downhills and then it would turn and then uphill, like have confidence that, you can carry your speed through these turns unless there was a sign that said like, you know, you know, scary turn ahead, which there <laughs> never really was. Just carry your flow in. So focus and flow. I just kept on back. Focus and flow. And it, and then dialing in my nutrition. And trusting. You have this thing about, like, you have this thing about trust in this race, like trusting that the swimmer is going to keep swimming, trusting that Dave, the race director, was going to make sure that if there was something you needed to slow down for, that it would be there. Otherwise, keep going and trust. Yeah, and stay stay in arrow position. I was in arrow ninety percent of the time, and I know a lot of people were sitting up. But and they, as we got towards the end and the wind picked up, like being an arrow, you can still be an arrow. You just you got to get a higher cadence. You, you push. It's not a time to just barrel through and push the watts. But overall, it was a it was a solid ride. I feel like I executed it really, really well, really well. Pacing, nutrition was spot on. For this ride and you gained about 13 spots in right. your age group yeah. in that yeah, on that so. bike so what how w- what was your nutrition and did it deviate from the plan that you had so my nutrition is to take scratch i i, I ditched the um special needs bags i don't do that anymore hmm. um so on my water bottles i double up my scratch solution so three water bottles with double the consistency so i would have 
one water bottle every two hours. So then that means all I need to do is pick up water, which was easy to do. But I armed myself with four water bottles to start. So I had a full water bottle with me. And then, yeah, just really dialed in sipping every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes I was taking in nutrition, uh, hydration. And then every hour I was taking in an Amrita bar, half an Amrita bar, which is about 100, 110 calories. And then the new thing that I did was the base salt because I didn't have any salt coming in. So base salt is the, the capsules that they hand out. And every 20 minutes, I would pull out base salt, take a lick every 20 minutes. And sometimes I would take it a little bit sooner because the reason why is because it was going to be a hotter day. We knew the weather was going to be pumped up. So you need to get your electrolytes a little bit in. And it's not going to hurt you to have extra electrolytes. It, it doesn't hurt at all. And it actually tastes pretty good. Although I have super dry mouth and burnt lips, <laughs> probably from too much salt. But it was key. So shout out to base salt. I think that was one of the the keys to my bike performance. And then about four hours in, I took goo, energy blocks, and had a gel, saved the gel for about 45 minutes off the bike before I would get off the bike. And it was the sea salt chocolate caffeinated gel, which is so tasty. And so you popped tasty. a couple? Ibuprofen, about an hour before the bike. Two ibuprofen, an hour mm -hmm. before I ended the bike. Yeah, there was a time where we were... Well, I, don't, I won't say, well, I think we were both on we the same thing. We were so anti-ibuprofen, like, don't take it. And I know that there's articles that are like, it's terrible. And physiologically, I understand that it's, you know, kind of rips you apart. And here you are ripping yourself apart in an Ironman. But let me tell you, I popped a few of those in my Ultra. I've popped a few in the last couple of Ironmans. Like, I like popping it proactively. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. This podcast is not sponsored by the uh, generic brand of ibuprofen from CBS. But... We've been doing it and... And it worked. It worked. And the, the other thing I wanted to mention was I was so hydrated. The first two hours, I was super hydrated. And I peed three or four times on the bike in the first... Which is good because there's a lot of downhills. So you can just let it flow. In your left shoe, I heard. In my left shoe. Yeah. I was able to just drop. So how do you do it? I put my left leg down. The, the left pedal is down. And then I just go on the left side so it's not on the so you chain kind of ring stand side. on that left side stay not, stand on the left side yeah. and just let it rip that's what i used to do too so it just empties into and just my make shoe. sure nobody like if you i would always do it on the downhill and just Downhills. try and make sure nobody was behind me but i've definitely peed on people before yes yeah, so, so that was a sign i was very hydrated so i'm like okay too much water too much water so i started to back off on the water a little bit and then i didn't have to go again until the run which was good like that's you can have a plan so you follow the plan but when you're actually on the bike, you need to be so aware and focused of what's happening in your body. What's not what other people are doing or what they're grabbing at the aid station. Like, what do you need at the aid station? Like peeing a lot. What does that mean? Okay. I'm, I might be a little bit hydrated. So just back off a little bit or I haven't gone to the bathroom. It's four hours. Like, okay, something, something's going on. Like I need to up my intake. Um, so yeah, I think that was a key moment and then hit mile 80 and push the watts only a little bit more, like 10, 15 more watts. And that's when the wind picked up and I was feeling good. And I, and you want to feel good because then you start passing people. I was passing people, passing them, passing them, passing them all the way to transition two. And I'm really, really happy with the bike. Nice. Super happy. Laura, how was your bike experience? And tell us about your nutrition. So my, the bike overall felt really good. Um, as I said, it was one of the 
more challenging bike rides I think I've ever been on in my life. <laughs> yeah, because you guys did Chalk Hill three times? Twice. Two times? Twice. Yeah. And I haven't seen Chalk Hill, but the locals, the, everyone that you've talked to were like, yeah, that's no joke. Yeah, it's a bit of a beast. <laughs> I hear it's windy. Um, I bet it's awesome. Like, yeah. Oof, I mean, I think great. it's, I think one thing that I think was really important is for uh, the day before when I dropped my bike off is to the, to be able to drive the bike course beforehand. Um, I kind of went back and forth about whether or not I wanted to see what was in store and kind of what that exactly looked like. I mean, you can look at the elevation map, you can kind of see where it's going to go, but it was kind of, do I want to just know what, not know what's coming and just kind of get, get through it moment by moment, or do I want to plan for what's ahead? Right. And I think it was really beneficial to the fact that I drove it, um, because driving Chalk Hill and knowing, you know, you, you come, you drive by and on the right, it, there's a sign on the Hill that says Chalk Hill and you say, okay, here it's coming. And that was, there were a few moments of that, that I had to kind of give myself a little bit of a pep talk of like, okay, you know, what's coming. It's going to be some rolling Hills and then Chalk Hill is going to come. And so knowing kind of what I need to do to get through that. And, um, I didn't drive the back half. So that first loop that we do that kind of second dry half, Creek. um, where that split off is, mm-hmm. um, through dry Creek, I hadn't done. So that was a little bit of an unknown, but it wasn't too bad. It was just rolling throughout the entire thing. And I think, um, to your point about kind of spinning through those Hills was really important because, you really can waste a lot of energy and, and the rolling small Hills kill you way more than the, you know, the big Hills of, you know, Chalk Hill and, and some of the others, it's, it's kind of that up and down. You can really waste a lot of energy. And I think kind of knowing that that's what the whole course was going to be. It's all about saving your mm-hmm. legs for that run. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And how was I, your nutrition? How did you feel? Good. Um, I did. So I use goo powder so I had, so I did two water bottles of that. And then I had, um, just water in the front and it worked really well. I had a, I, I made sure that I at least got through one water bottle per hour. Um, cause that's what just, that's just how I knew kind of what, what I need in terms of those long rides and, and how much I need to be going through to not get dehydrated. Uh, I followed Jess's lovely tip that even if you don't feel like you need it at the first aid station to just take the water and pour it over yourself and, it was spot on. I actually ended up doing that at every aid station. I rarely t- actually drank the water bottle they gave me. I just poured it straight, straight into my helmet because um, it just helped to keep my body cool and uh, keep me going. So. It's so key. Yeah. It's so key yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah. First aid station. And I think that's something that could be, could really prevent some overheating issues that because mm-hmm. you're not you're not hot at that point. Yeah. Or you don't feel that you're hot. Yeah. Because you have the I mean wind throughout the blowing. entire bike because it's shade, it's but not the shade. Going. There's yeah. wind, like, there's you know, and you just don't feel right. the warmth. Right. But it's there. It's there for sure. Yeah, the engine's um, going. You're creating heat. You're moving energy. That's heat. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think that worked. Yeah. Um I think the only thing that was challenging was the wind really did pick up in the last thirty or so miles. And I definitely felt kind of the, like, I'm really done to be, I'm done with rolling hills. I'm really ready to be off this bike. I just remember pulling into downtown Santa Rosa and be like, get me the hell off this bike. I'm like, I'm so ready to run. Like I am ready to be. And that's sort of where you want to be like eager to run, like eager to get (laughs) off the bike. Did you have, you know, the spot where it was like to second lap or to finish? Mm -hmm. Did you have any, any 
elation there? Was there any, or you were just like, okay, now I got to turn left and head in. No, I just, I was like, okay, I'm about like 15 miles out. Like, great. Like I'm on this, I'm on the end, right? It's, um, and I knew that that, I knew that that last stretch, that last 15 miles, the road wasn't in the greatest shape. So I knew there was going to be like a lot of potholes that there'd be a lot of kind of rough patches. And I actually found that I was up and down off of my arrow bars quite a bit. And I think that's probably a big piece for me is just having more confidence on the bike is just, I'm being such a new cyclist. I, and you new know. and new to a tri bike. Yeah, as of January. Yeah. So, um, new. so just more time in the arrow. Yeah. More time on the bike. Yeah. And so just feeling confident with if something if I do hit something, you know, being able to recover yeah. quickly and um yeah. Yeah, because there's a very narrow center of gravity <laughs> on those tri bikes. Yeah, right? so so that's that's so great, Laura, because what's the alternative? Like to 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 push yourself into staying an arrow because you need to be, you need to be as most aerodynamic as possible, but safety first and control first. Like you need mm-hmm. to make it through the race. Like it's super important to just get up on the handlebars because that yeah. last section willow side, I think was the street was just super bumpy mm-hmm. and getting on the, getting on those handlebars. It's totally yeah. fine. Like you, that's where you're stable. And even going down some of the hills, I mean, you know, you want to be an arrow because you want to kind of gain that speed. Right. But if it's easier for me to just be on my handlebars and just duck in, you know, maybe I lose a little bit of speed, but feel a lot safe right there. Yeah. Feel a lot safer than totally. Because if you, yeah, yeah. You want to be in that place where you can, like BJ was saying, like be in some kind of flow where you're really trusting the bike and you're trusting the course and you're trusting Iron Man that if there's something that you need to be aware of, you'll be aware of it. Yeah. And I think they did a great job of marking everything out. And I have to give a shout out to the uh, highway patrol and the Santa Rosa police department. Cause they just, I, I was so thankful for how safe they kept us, you know, going through all the intersections and controlling traffic. And it was just, it was great. Yeah. And they, they get put, they get put to the test too. Like I was crossing across the bike path. I mean, I'm sorry, the bike course right at the finish. And I started to approach where, and, and the police officer said, can you just wait? And I said, Oh, absolutely. Like I got all day, you know, I'm not in any kind of rush. And I walked past, he said, thank you so much. You have, you have no idea how many people don't care and how mm-hmm. pissed they're getting. And I was like, I know dude, and you're on the receiving end of it. So just stay calm and yeah. just know that you're appreciated because every single one of these athletes and their families and everybody who loves them really appreciates that you're keeping them safe. Yeah. So thanks for taking the flag. Well, and I just know a few of them. I, I was like, as I was riding by them, I was like, thank you guys. Like appreciate yeah, so much. And they, yeah. they would say thank you back to me. Yeah. yeah. They like, were very receptive. Yeah. It, it's some of the courses I go to, it's less like a, a shield because mm-hmm. they're just, they're in it. They're probably doing their job. Yep. Right. But these guys, I felt very yeah. engaged with them. They were, they were very in tune with, yeah. with the athletes that were on the course. Cool. All right. Let's move into the run and then we're going to take uh, a couple questions so Laura, let's just stick with you. How are you coming in? Like, how is that transition? How is it going from riding the bike to running? Yeah. So I transition was great. You know, I got right into the tent, changed out everything super quickly. Um, the volunteer I was working with, she was really helpful and just it's like, what do you need? What do you, you know? And yeah, they're amazing. Um, they? got myself some sunscreen and off I went and I felt really good. I felt really good getting off the bike and onto the run. And, That's a good sign. Um, kept a really good kind of steady pace for the first lap. Uh, I ran the first 10 miles or so and, and felt really good. And then I kind of lost some steam. Um, that's where I kind of had some... What happened? Like, what, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, 
was it the mine? Was it the with the the legs were heavy? Was it the the turf, the terrain? Like what happened? What switched on? Yeah, so I think it definitely wasn't mental. Like I felt, I you know, I just kept thinking like continue to move forward. Like there was just and there was no. I I didn't feel like mentally like I want to stop. Like I want to be done. I was totally fine com- continuing to move forward, but my my body was starting to tell me signs and I was feeling a lot of different sensations, particularly my lower back, uh, when I, that kind of was building over the course of a mile. And so I ended up, I kind of forced myself to run like 0.8. And then if I needed to walk, would walk, you know, that extra 0.2. Um, and that kind of forced me through some of those sensations and, and past the point that I wanted to, to stop. I was, yeah, I was, I think some of the terrain, particularly on that, um, that left-hand side, um, with that dirt. And, and I think because both sides are kind of angled, um, where my right, your right hip ends up being higher than your left throughout, um, just kind of having that misalignment over that course of 26 miles is, was tough. Um, yeah, I noticed that when I was running the course that morning, when you guys were out on the bike, I was like, Ooh, this is, I forgot this is at like an angle here. Yeah. It's just enough that I think over and you don't have the option it, to switch it because you, it's a narrow bike path and you've got, right. you know, you're sharing it with all the thousands of people who are right. doing the race. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, I mean, overall it felt good. It, it was certainly a lot slower than I wanted it to be. Um, and I think because I'd gone really hard in the swim and in really hard in the bike, which are two things that I really wanted to do, um, the swim being kind of my strongest of the three and just really challenging myself on the bike, I think – you know, that's kind of the nuance, right. Of it being your first time and kind of pushing your body through this experience. That's harder than anything you've put it through before, but it was good. I mean, I I like that. I think you've got some really good data moving forward of like, okay, here's what it looks like when I push the bike. Here's what the run looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's actually a good little experiment that you did. And you know, BJ, you've been doing that, like really like pushing the bike and seeing what your run is so that you could see what kind of work you needed to do on the bike. And then you did the bike and then you stuck to the power numbers and then you were able to run. I think you've got another 15, if not 20 minutes faster in that run of yours. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that pretty soon. Yeah, but you have to do, you, you can, you can talk about it all you want and say like, this is my goal. This is like what I want to, <laughs> but you, you don't know until you're actually, you put yourself in the Grand Canyon, we call it like put yourself there and experience experience it for yourself so now you know and you know around mile 10 right was a mile 10 Mm -hmm. like things started to okay so what can you do like starting mile 10 okay how in training can you start to 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 work on bridging that gap so now mile 10 is maybe now mile 15 at the next race or maybe it's pushed out even further like how can you expand that out and that's 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 self-discovery that's like research on number on like a case study case study is that's like one there's like one person involved the you and just Mm -hmm. see how your your yourself is going to come out of this and i think you i think you did i think you realized like okay this is where i am now what can i do on the next race because it'll be a next race yeah that's when the hook gets in deeper the hook gets in deeper because you're like okay now let's let's see what's possible uh how was nutrition like what was how did it deviate from the plan? Because <laughs> on the run, I think that's where it, you got to be flexible. Because oh your body's going to be like, uh-uh, not another gel. Don't even think about it. There were so many aid stations that I got to, and they're like, what can we help you with? What do you want? And I said, honestly, I don't know. And then I would just look at the options, and my body would be, I want that. 
Perfect. you know, just Very immediately. Intuitive. It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had, I'd pack, I had some gels and, uh, some chews on me and, um, out of my special needs bag, grabbed a Joji bar, which was really helpful on the second lap. Uh, I just, I really needed that. And just to have some like real food, I feel like. And the chews were really good. Um, I ended up eating pretzels quite a few times just to get that salt content in. Um, and just to have some, something different that wasn't sweet. Drinking the cola was helpful. Uh, I started that at around probably mile 12, I'd say, and then discontinued it at about mile 20 because my stomach was just not so happy. Uh, I, I think it's just the carbonation and just the high sugar content. I, I don't drink soda ever. And so stopped that and just kind of stuck to water after that point. And it was, it worked pretty well. Yeah, that's so. interesting because normally when you start the Coke, you got to continue the Coke because you're on the high. But yeah, you, you kind of have to get used to that high too. It's very like a, I, I find like it's a frazzled high. Like I can tell when you take Coke really late in the race because you come off, you come off the race and then you're like totally like, like he's just done a line of cocaine. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're like where's my like, literal Coke? You're like, yeah. Kind of. yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is exactly kind of what you do when you drink Coca-Cola. Yeah. So was, so was that your darkest moment or your biggest moment of doubt was just that mile 10 you were just... You're kind of shaking your head like, no, no I, there was really. I don't think there was ever a moment of okay. doubt. I think there you were moments really even keeled. I think there were moments of frustration because I, I had, and I, I told people this all along that I had kind of set this time goal for myself. And I think everyone from the beginning said, you know, just finishing your first Ironman is, is really a huge feat. And that's not, for me, that's not good enough. And there was never a doubt that I would finish. Um, but when I was on the run and I kind of passed that, time mark and kind of started thinking, you know, okay, what, if I'm not going to complete it in this time, kind of what can I set as that goal? And it changed (laughs) several times after that, but, um, there wasn't ever kind of a moment of doubt. I think there were moments where I was kind of really challenged mentally and physically to say like, cause my mental capacity was like, you can keep running, like keep running. Like you only have this many miles left, right? You only have eight, you only have seven miles left. Um, particularly in that last lap, that last, you know, eight or nine mile loop that we did, you know, I really felt like you're so close to the finish, like just run the whole thing. And it, it, my body just didn't want to do it. Um, I did end up running the last like three and a half miles, um, because I was like, literally I just pushed through any sensation that I had, but there was just kind of this whole stretch in the middle that just was tough. What did this experience show you about yourself? What did, what did Ironman specifically, that experience of going 140.6 miles, what did it show you about yourself? I think for me, this, so coming to 30 years old <laughs> as of yesterday, um, I think my last year in my 20s was, I mean, this past year was one of the toughest years I've had in my life. And I think I learned a lot yesterday showed me a lot of kind of how far I've come since even just last May, last April, just with like a lot, like personally, just in terms of kind of mindfulness and taking things as they come and being able to let things go and, and really continuing to move forward and not, you know, perseverate on, on what's happening, you know, what happened five minutes ago or what happened eight hours ago. Right. (laughs) 
and just kind of continuing to move forward in that moment. And so how far you've come, what do you attribute that to? What has changed in the way that you like move through the world between last May and this May? I do a lot more meditation and yoga and um, just a lot of kind of self-reflection and self. Do you journal? Are you a journaler? I have on and off, but haven't much in the last year or so. I think it's just like a lot of self-reflection of kind of at the end of the day or in any given moment, kind of learning to take things as they are. I also have a very supportive partner that's keeps me in check yeah, <laughs> and kind awesome. of reminding me right of that kind of let's look at this and let's remember, you know, kind of those reminders of, yeah. And Ari's a yogi. She sure is. Yeah. She's <laughs> got a beautiful presence. I wish she was here. She thinks she went out for a walk. I think so. Yeah. She'll just have to listen and subscribe. <laughs> um, click subscribe. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I've known you since last fall and we, no, we met just before my half Ironman. We met like just before, before your half Ironman. Yep. And you started practicing yoga with us. And uh, I've just seen growth in you since then. And, you know, seeing you out there yesterday, you just, you had a calmness about you. And I, I believe that, you know, meditation and more yoga and all of that, like you can't escape having more of this foundation of calm in your life. And calm does not mean weak. Calm does not mean slow. If anything, calm means powerful. You know, I, I believe, I know that I've become much more powerful in my own life and what I'm able to navigate, what I'm able to create, what I'm able to manifest because I've got this calmness about me. And through that calmness comes patience, mm-hmm. comes trust, and comes knowing that whatever is coming at me, it's going to resolve to good and I'm going to get to the other side because damn it, I've done it way too many times not to get to the other side. Yeah. All right, BJ, uh, we did a story. I did an Instagram story of you coming out of transition. And Ari actually <laughs> sent me a video of BJ coming out of transition. You were, it, it was like, it was like you had, were running a 5K and you had done like a really <laughs> good warm up. I mean, you just came out of, how did you, we've already talked about your bike. So how did you, c- coming off the bike, like what was your mindset? I, think I agree with Laura. I just want to get off the bike. Like at that point I was like, all right, enough. Um, I sit on the edge of my seat too. You know what I kept saying to myself? Um, and I actually said this to multiple people on the first lap of my run is that I was like two laps done. People are like, no, I'm only on my first one. I was like, no, you've done two laps of this race. Like your swim's done. Your bike's done. Like you just got this left. Like, it's just like, all right, two down, one to go. Yeah. Yeah. One more sport. Yeah. Yeah. One more sport. That's it. And then I always think like, I didn't drown. And I didn't crash. <laughs> like, I'm going to be pretty You know what people, people always for- ask me? Like, why do they do it in the order that they do? They're like, well, like, why don't you do the swim last? Like, everyone hates swimming. I was like, most to least dangerous. Like, think right. about, like, <laughs> what sport are you most likely to die in if you're really tired? Swim. Like, you Drowning. don't do a swim. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fine, but probably most people would. Right. Seriously, I watched the final finishers coming in off that swim, that would be the last thing you'd want to do is do the swim last. All right, BJ, back to your like, Sorry. oh man, you came out of transition. Yeah, I like got you off had that, an engine coming out of your ass. I got off that bike and, and just felt really good. Like running, I run barefoot down, down to the transition and the guy already had my bag and I got into the tent and just, I just was like, just raring to go. I dumped everything out. 
the guy was trying to help me out, but, and I was just like, just wait, just wait a second. Like I need to put on my socks. I was like very methodical. And then, uh, I stuffed more stuff down my pockets, uh, some nutrition. And then I just headed out. I, I got sunscreen because I didn't do any on the bike, but I knew the sun was, I wish that I had sunscreen on the on run the, on the bike. Oh, on the bike. Yeah. That was, that's where you got your, your wings, your Ironman wings. <laughs> you got wings. They're there for sure. Yeah. So little tip, everyone, if you've got the, the racer back in, in the morning, you got to put the sunscreen on your entire back. You also need to put arrow, it on in, I think in transition, they didn't have it in transition, but if you have it in your gear bag, I think that's yeah. key. Yeah. Cause and you got to tell them like, get underneath the tricep. Yeah, get underneath the, the when you're clothing. in the arrow, yeah. the ba- your back yeah. is going to spread and that's how you get your wings. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like Red Bull. Uh, Which there was plenty of. Little, little, plenty of Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. little plug for Red Bull. I did Bull. not want any of I that. Didn't, I don't, the smell of it just yeah. really turns me off. But you used to I race used to it. drink it. I used to race with it, but oh, gosh. not anymore. Yeah, no. All right. So yeah, so headed out on the run and felt super, super, again, something different. I, tr- I had my watch and it was going. The GPS started right away and it's something I don't normally do, but I went to just... And who told you to start wearing your watch? A meditator, Bob. Yeah. Our meditation teacher Our meditation was like, teacher no more. Like, it's time to come back to, to, to pushing yourself or having it there as a guide um, to see how things mm. pan out. But yeah, I felt super good going out. And I think that's where you saw me was trucking out there. And yeah, that first... <laughs> I've done this course now. This is the third time because I did the 70.3 last year, which runs on the same same venue. So really familiar with it. And I really, really like the trail system on that left side, just the trees that overhang. And we it had is- just watched The Ledger of Bagger Vance, um, which is a movie that is a take on um, the Bhagavad Gita, which we talk about a lot in this podcast. And you see the field and then there's the knower of the field, right? And I saw this like field in front of me and all these trees and I... And there were people, some people out there, but I was just focused on just parting the ways. And it was such a spiritual experience to have that so early on. But I found my groove right away and I looked down at my watch and it was like sub seven minutes. And I was like, okay, this is <laughs> like, all right, slow down a little bit. Slow down a little bit. But then I was like, I feel good. I want to see how long I can hold this because I did that at the 70.3 and had a really good race there. Just right from the start, just pushed it and, and held on. So yeah, I just kept tuning into how I felt and made sure I stayed under that 7.30 pace for the first, I would say, 10 miles or so. And then really, really dialed into nutrition, like spot-on nutrition. So I took goose every three to four miles, maybe like, and I was doing it like mile three, I would take half a goo, and then mile four, I'd take the other half of the goo. And then salt, again, the base salt mm-hmm. every every other mile, licking licking my thumb and getting that in. And then ibuprofen about an hour in on the run. And then I actually didn't start cola. I've done cola for an entire marathon at an Ironman and it's worked. I held off because I just didn't need it, but I held off till about mile 14. And then I started doing the Coke, which was absolute perfect timing. And for me, this, this race really was an opportunity for me to be focused and in flow on the run as well and not give the people high fives and not i interrupted your flow didn't i no no (laughs) i had nothing to say so laura shouted at me from across the creek 
It was like, Beta. and I was like, I couldn't yeah. say anything. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Laura, yeah. Laura was looking around, which is what your first Iron Man's about, right? Yeah. I was around. looking for people I knew. Yeah. It was the yeah. only thing. Because, hey, listen, you got to grab onto whatever you can grab yeah, onto. Yeah, get, I get energy from it. I feel like you give back and you, you pull from that. It's community, right? You're out there with a bunch of people doing the same thing, experiencing some of the same I did have some really sensations. wonderful conversations with some people. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's awesome. It's you know, and our, fr- and our friends that are out there winning races, pros, and age groupers that are, you know, at the top of the top, you know, they, they always say like, Oh my gosh, I heard you yelling. I heard you yelling, but they're like super focused. And, mm-hmm. and we had a session with our meditation teacher and we were like, BJ, that's, you know, that's a piece of their win, you know, is their one pointed focus. It's, you know, and you even got some advice from, you know, top age grouper in the world the other night that was like, you know, it's, you stay focused. Like you go within, you stay focused. You got to shut everything off Mm -hmm. you know as far as looking outside of yourself and you say this all the time bj like everything you need is inside yeah so stop stop looking outside for stuff Mm -hmm. like everything that's going to push me on that run and it actually came across my mind it's like it's already in here it's just you need to keep going you need to just keep drawing upon that fire and and desire inside to keep pushing you forward and i did and and i knew my paces were, were were slipping but i kept i kept trying in that moment to push harder and that's something i've learned over the years is when you get to a comfortable pace you need to check in with yourself and say can i go a little bit more even for like 10 steps even for a mile like can you just push a little bit more and you'll find that you can continually surge and so at every aid station too i was pouring water on my head and ice down my back yep. and i would feel immediately better mm-hmm. and would be able to, to push the push the pace and i was pushing past i was pushing past a lot of people and I was super happy, super happy when that little out and back, uh, it was longer last year. It was longer, but this year it was shorter. So I was like, when we just went out, we took a right turn and it was, you could see that there was a turnaround sign and then we headed back. So it was like less than a mile. It was like maybe half a mile out and back, but I was excited to see that. And really just, really just found my, my running legs early and, and held on as long as I could and really wanted to get under the 330 mark and I hit 330 and change. So it put me in a good spot. Um, I pushed to the end. I pushed right to the end. I gave everything I had. Nutrition was spot on. I had no cramping. My mind was set. So am I happy with this performance? Absolutely. Like coming coming off of Oceanside, having some some challenges to, to, to have an experience like this where it was executed in my mind so well and to come out with one of my best times it was a minute less than a minute off my pr at an ironman race was phenomenal and i'm 45 years old fueled by plants and that was my 12th ironman and i can just say like i can feel i can feel things are moving continually moving forward like there's more to come there's more to come absolutely yeah so we're kind of covering the questions that we got along the way which is great um, cause we're moving right along. So how do you feel that, you know, meditation has informed your racing? I think we talked about the calming effect of it. It, there's, there's chaos and we talk about the calm and the chaos. There's, there's, there can be chaos on the day and there can be chaos before the day. If you're involved in social media and the race Facebook pages 
and all the chatter of water temperature and and the what ifs and what meditation does is it it, it brings you in. So Laura, you're talking about like you, you just you've done some self reflection. Like it, it brings you into the things that you can work on and control. And and maybe if you don't know what they they are yet, reflecting internally brings that up. And if you're open to it, you can then begin to address it. Because once you understand, know what there is that's holding you back or, or is a roadblock, then you can begin to work on the steps to, to change that, right? Because we can't change something we don't know is broken. It's not necessarily broken, but it's, it's, it's hindering you. It's stopping you from, from moving forward. So meditation for me, just it, it's a quieting of, of the outside noise yet building the strength and power from inside that's already there. It's just like really like stripping back the layers and, and pumping that, that fire up inside. So for me, meditation, there's nobody else out there on race day that you need to worry about except for yourself. And so if you've meditated and you've done visual, visualization and you've taken the necessary steps to, to find out why you're truly doing this and, and what makes you happy, then that's what you're going to come to on race day. It's not going to be about what, how fast that guy is going and he just passed me or, mm-hmm. or look at the number on his leg or her leg. Like they just passed me. It doesn't matter. Just come back, come back to you. And so meditation for me brings me back to the things that I can control. I think that's a huge piece is that, and that's one of the things that throughout the day yesterday I realized has changed is uh, I tend to be a very in some ways, comparative person. Um, and so there, there, there were these moments of like, Oh, that person's in my age group and they're passing me or, Oh, you know, they, you know, why am I not going as fast as them? Or, you know, these moments of kind of wanting to compare and wanting to doubt yourself and just feeling like this is my race. Like it doesn't matter what any other person is doing. Like, of course, like I'm still a very competitive person, right? We wouldn't be in this sport if we weren't competitive in some way. We talk about age group and we talk about qualifying for Kona and all this stuff, but really it's about kind of what you're doing and what kind of your individual race and how you feel. And that's one thing for sure that is, has changed. And I think has really helped about, you know, between yoga and meditation and just a lot of the change that's happened for myself in the last year. I think it not only allows you to see those moments because it gives you a gap where you can actually get some clarity and sight, but what it does is it develops your skill to actually not just bring yourself back, but bring yourself back and stay there. And maybe it's an instant and maybe it's 20 minutes. It's going to be different in every moment of your life because every moment is different, but you're going to get more skillful at being present. So we know that we hear it all the time, like it's your race, race your race, blah, blah, blah. But if you are not practicing present moment awareness, if you are not practicing what it's like to sit with yourself in an uncomfortable situation, which sitting in meditation has been some of the most uncomfortable situations of my entire life, like sitting in stillness and seeing what's brewing under the surface. If you don't practice that, how would you ever expect to be able to execute that on race day. So I think that we all know that being present is important for race day, but without practicing it, you're not going to have much of a shot at executing it with any kind of sustainability. That's what I believe. Would you agree? Uh, Absolutely. The same thing goes with training. Like how can you expect to run strong off the bike if you're not 
running strong and doing the, the proper work in training. Like you just can't flip a switch on race day and be like, there we go. Like there's my, there's my swim pace, my bike pace, even though I have done some lower, maybe not all of it. Like you just can't flip a switch. You need to experience it. And I think I, I completely agree. Like the meditation, if you can sit there. You can sit there. It's a choice. So when, so when you sit there and just <laughs> sit with yourself and the thoughts of like, I need to get out of it. I need to get out of it. The same thing can be applied to in your, in your arrow position and you're still on a flat and you're just like, oh, maybe I need to sit up for a bit. No, ch- get in that gap. Get in that space and say, mm, I can sit. I've trained. I've done this. I can sit down in the aero position because it is the most aerodynamic and efficient way to bike. And in the long run, it may save me a few seconds, but that's a few seconds. And there's the only reason why I want to get up is because it's habit. And, and it's that monkey mind of just like, yeah, you need to get up, get down. There's, meditation affords you the opportunity to work with those tools that you can apply to anything, not mm-hmm. just sport, but life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say that, you know, who knew that doing nothing changes everything? Mm-hmm. Like literally doing nothing changes everything. It's awesome. All right. So I think we hit most of the questions, all of the questions people wanted to know about nutrition. People were, uh, we had some private messages about meditation, which I love because that means people are eager, but maybe they don't want it out in the open yet that they're uh, <laughs> curious about it, which I love. Your secret is safe with us. So I think that we got that done. Oh, I know. Yeah, we've got some questions from Lupe, which we're going to get to right now. But BJ, I want to ask you the same question that I asked Laura. What did yesterday show you about, show you about yourself, specifically yesterday? That with proper execution and patience, you can have a successful race, but there's still work to be done to get you to a point where your competitive side, back to Laura's point, your competitive side can be happy as well. So yes, my race was executed well. Like execution was, was amazing. And I know that what this shows is I can, I, can, I can do it. I can focus for 10 plus hours. Like I can focus for 10 plus hours and do the things I need to do. Skip, you know, walking at the aid stations, skip the special needs bags, like skip all that extra stuff, skip the bathrooms. I can do all that. Okay, th- check. Like the box is checked. Now, what can you do? Like it's it's back to more strength on the bike. It's back to uh, training, run run workouts and training where I'm negative splitting a run. So you run the first five miles and then you, you run faster the following five miles. So you start to get that mentality when you get into the race scenario where, yeah, you're not going to trail off. You're going to be stronger. And so... For me, it, it just checks a box and affirms that I'm, I belong here and I've got, I've got some things, some good things coming my way. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay, this question is for you, BJ, from Lupe. And Lupe is Jenny's mom. And Jenny is quickly becoming a Yogi Triathlete favorite in the community, <laughs> like Clark. She's right up there with Clark. And Jenny's oh, amazing. Anybody that knows Jenny, she's our 10-year-old athlete. She is an old soul. She is here to teach us all. She is just, she's meditating. She gets BJ's, puts meditation on her plan. I mean, it's just, she's incredible, incredible being, old soul. So this is Lupe's mom, who is, uh, I would say, equally as amazing. (laughs) She's pretty awesome. And so BJ, this is a question for you. How do you come up with a race plan? So she is on the verge of her first 70.3. And so her question is, how do you come up with a race plan? Is it based on your training, past performance, or just by feel? 
Once again, amazing race. You are so inspiring. Congratulations. Great, great question. Yeah. I think... I think it's all of those things. I think because you're coming up with your own race plan and you're coming up with race plans for all your athletes. And I always have said that you are a master of execution. Like I never know how the hell I have these such super successful races. I just follow what you tell me to do. And I, do it. <laughs> it's BJ is a master of race strategy. I, I really believe that. I think it's a combination. I think when you really get to know, so if you want to talk about athletes, when you, when you get to know the athlete, you get to know their flow. You get to know the words that they use. You get to, yeah, you look at the data, that's important. But you, you, you have a you have a you have a a feel. I guess it is a feel about the athlete's past performance, the athlete's mindset, the athlete's goals. Like you have all of this and you, you mix it into this big stew, right? And you mix it around and then I, I just have a feeling about where people need to push, where they need to settle back, what they can work on, what what will set them up for the most success down the road. It may not be this race. Like this race may be a stepping stone, even though in their mind, they may want to jump out of the gates and, and crush it. Having a coach look at that and say, okay, let's, let's, let's find the balance between doing some crushing, but also let's get the foundation <laughs> for you to take that momentum into the next race. Maybe like, just a crack maybe, in yeah, the maybe foundation. A little, and then little bit, yeah. Just a little bit. Maybe PR the swim. <laughs> Um, so I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's a combination of that. And for me personally, it comes from it comes from experience, but it also comes from seeing where BJ is right now. Like BJ, where he was last year, is different from where he is right now. So yeah, you can pull a, pull the things that you've done in the past and keep a keep an eye on where you want to go in the future. But you have to look at yourself right now, and and the things that you need to work on and the things you need to capitalize in the in the moment so yeah it's it's a lot of feel it's a lot of experience and 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 faith and belief that everything that you're given for your race strategy is there for a purpose there's no point in getting a race strategy from a coach if you're going to deviate and and move on from that um in my opinion that's just just me uh, I do encourage people in the flow. Yes, you need to you need to do things. You need to you know switch off the coke and, and watch what your stomach is doing. But the overall plan, if if you're not on board, then then there's a disconnect, and that's not serving either of the parties. So, yeah, really, really tune into you know what your goals are and and what you want to achieve. And it just like I said, it may not be this race. It may be two races down down the road. Awesome. I love that. And then I'm going to take her second question. I'm going to ask it to both of you and we're going to apply it to everyone who, uh, for their races coming up this season. She wants some pre-race words of wisdom. I think one piece that was really important for me, um, was to kind of control my environment as much as I could. Um, and in terms of myself, and kind of my, whether it's my physical surroundings or just kind of my vibe <laughs> around me and really controlling as much as I could and then accepting things that I couldn't control. Right. Um, so whether it was the weather or people that were around me or, you know, things that pop up here and there, sleep or nutrition or what have you, I think one thing is kind of just planning for that. Um, you know, not even just planning for your race day, but planning that those several days before and what those are going to look like and what you need to do. Um, cause I think that sets you up for success. 
I love that. I think that's awesome. Beej. Some pre-race wisdom, huh? Or what is it? Pre-race words of wisdom. Yeah. Ah, it's, it could take this in so many directions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a big one is is you've done all the work and there are going to be opportunities left and right for self-sabotage. You know, things that you may normally wouldn't have done, but, but now you, you will. And for example, you go out to eat and you don't have the most nutritious meal in mind the week of the race. Like you, you're like with your friend, like what you're talking about with your community, uh, your pack, and you have a meal that maybe doesn't sit with you well. Or you begin to skip key workouts and because you, you have maybe moments of doubt or or you just don't have time. Like you've done all this work for whatever, four, six, four to six months. Like now is the time to really open up that space where this is what's important. This is what, this is what counts. You want to go into this race, your, your, maybe your first Ironman. You want to go into this with as many, as many tools in your toolbox as possible. And if that means skipping workouts to get rest, if it means blowing off a family commitment, you blow it off. If it means buying all your food and bringing that with you to the race like that do the things that you can control what i will say is you can get caught up in all the chatter on social media i think a great piece of wisdom and and something i have started to do is just detach from social media and stop reading the stuff from these from these sites that all they're doing is creating energy towards a, a negative negative perception of the of, of the race and so what i say is just experience it for yourself it is important to take in the facts of the race like the schedule the schedule and the, where you, you need, need to, to be yeah all awesome but do you need to get into the chatter of the road conditions and and the, the water temperature yeah <laughs> like no stop stop it doesn't matter you just need to show up you're prepared everything you have is inside you go hit that race. Awesome. Awesome. You guys, thank you so much for your time. I know our listeners are really loving these smackdowns that we're doing. So BJ, you need to race more. And, uh, (laughs) nothing planned yet. No, nothing planned yet to touch upon the, what actually we should ask the what's next question. Cause that's always a fun question. But as far as your what's next BJ, like I've got some things that are coming in, but it's not fully clear yet. And also I'm, I have this knowing that this Kona qualification is so ridiculously close, but I'm also getting this information today that it's not, today is not the day to discuss this with you. It's really interesting. I'm getting a lot of good clarity and I've got some ideas for races for you, but I'm also getting this directive to not, not get into the details. We got to let what you just did soak in more. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about the what's next? Yeah, we talked about this on the ride. Yeah, over here. I don't. I don't know. Um, and it's okay to say I don't know. Like that's that's totally okay. Uh, last year I had three races, three Ironman races on the calendar at this point. And will I do that again? I, right now, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just taking. I'm just taking this experience in. I, I've I learned a lot from yesterday, and I, I've I've got a list of things that I, I want to dive into, and then. I know I can't wait too long because the, the season is is only a few more months. 
uh, to qualify for Kona. And there's only a few races open. Um, Lake Placid is already full, so I won't be coming to Lake Placid. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I, I love these experiences because in the past, I would be like, okay, what's next? What's next? Like, I need to have something to, to shoot for. And now I, I, I know that the opportunity will present itself exactly when the time is ready. Awesome. What's next for you, Laura? Um, I think it's a lot, a lot of people have asked me over the last, what, when, when did I finish? Oh Less like than when you 24 get, when you hours get married ago. And they go, when are you going to have a baby? <laughs> and we're like 17 years in, we're like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, in the last 24 hours, several people have asked me kind of, are you going to do it again? Are you, you know, what's the next race? And I, I don't think there's a yes or a no. And I don't, there isn't specifically in terms of triathlon. I don't, I'm not registered for anything in the short term. Um, the next race that I am registered for is the Marine Corps marathon in October. So it might be a nice little change to just do some kind of running for a bit. Who knows? Awesome. Some Marine Corps. That's a great marathon. All right, you guys, congratulations. You both kicked some serious ass out there and it was your own that you kicked uh, great job. And thanks so much for sharing with our community. Santa Rosa is beautiful. This course is amazing. Don't listen to the chatter. Do it next year. It's a really, really great race. 70.3 is coming up. Is that still open? July. Still open. Oh, that's an awesome one. So uh, hopefully we'll see you up here at the races. And if you see us other way, otherwise in other places, please always stop and say hello to us. We love meeting the people who are a part of this community. So thank you all. We couldn't do it without you. Ooh.